Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Chris Beers. Here are today's top stories. A new Texas bill would make it a crime to cross the border illegally. If ratified, it would enable law enforcement to arrest any offender anywhere in the state. How does President Biden's hometown feel about his potential bid for re-election? Find out if they feel he has done a good enough job to win their support a second time. A new social media site that's actually good for you. That's what developers of Ganjing World offer. Find out what the app's content looks like and how it could even improve your life. Texas Senate has passed a bill that would create a new crime for foreign nationals who enter the state illegally. The move would allow law enforcement to arrest any offender anywhere in the state. NTD's Daniel Monahan brings us more. Bill SB 2424 cleared the state Senate last week in an 18 to 12 party line vote. It would create a new state level criminal offense called improper entry from a foreign nation. It carries a penalty of up to one year in jail for first-time offenders, two years in state jail for second-time offenders, and up to life in prison for convicted felons who illegally cross the border. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick says millions have crossed the border illegally under President Biden. Patrick discussed the bill on Fox News. If you come here and you have a conviction for a felony, you could face up to life in prison. This is a brand new crime. Patrick warned illegal crossers not to make the attempt. Well, a message to everyone on the other side of the border. Number one, even if you've never committed a crime, you're going to face up to a year in jail. The bill has advanced to the Texas House State of Affairs Committee. Meanwhile, the Department of Homeland Security plans to form a task force that will explore the use of artificial intelligence. It would use AI to protect America's supply chains and to identify and interrupt the flow of precursor chemicals to counter the flow of fentanyl. It would also target criminal networks. AI tools would be used to rescue victims of online child sexual abuse and exploitation as well. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas discussed the potential of AI. Deeply fascinated by AI's promise of new advances and discoveries. But the secretary sounded a note of caution. Greatly concerned for its capacity for error and its impact on our humanity. And keenly alert to its potential for harm in the hands of an adversary. Some experts warn about the tech being a threat to human freedoms in the hands of oppressive administrations. Core Analytics founder Anders Core says that AI-enabled tech will be capable of surveilling and influencing democratic populations in ways that were previously impossible. The Biden administration has already begun integrating AI with what critics call ideology in government operations. In February, Biden approved an executive order directing federal agencies to use AI to achieve, quote, equity objectives. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is in Japan today. The possible Republican candidate addressed the 2024 presidential election ahead of a meeting with the Japanese Prime Minister. I'm not, I'm not a candidate, so we'll see if, uh, if and when that changes. And I know many Floridians, and certainly my wife and I, we have great regard for the Japanese people, uh, Japanese culture, and really appreciate what a great ally Japan has been to the United States over many, many decades. And so we're, we're excited to be here to be able to explore more relations with Florida and Japan. 
Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida told DeSantis that Florida is one of the fastest growing states in the U.S. and that he's pleased that many Japanese enterprises are flourishing there. The trip to Japan is part of a four-country trade mission. Some see it as an attempt by DeSantis to beef up his foreign policy credentials ahead of an official announcement that he will run for president in 2024. The Florida governor will head to South Korea, Israel, and Britain after leaving Japan. In President Joe Biden's childhood hometown of Scranton, Pennsylvania, signs of affection for the president are hard to miss. But do voters there want to see him in office again? NCD's Colin Fredrickson brings us more. Even though Biden left Scranton when he was about 10 years old, two streets and an expressway into the city bear his name. Letters Biden sent to local residents that invoke the Scranton values of hard work and common decency are displayed in living rooms and offices of some supporters. I'm not going to say for these cameras and to you, like, it would be so nice to have Biden here again, like, even though he sent me, like, a little letter and all these things, but to me, it's not, it's not substantial. Biden has visited Scranton twice as president and several times on the campaign trail. Two residents told stories about Biden making surprise calls to their mothers during one of his visits. Some business owners like Biden's pandemic relief programs, but few residents say life has improved under Biden. Roughly one in five people in Scranton are in poverty, twice the national rate, and the school district sits near the bottom of national and state rankings. I still think there should be like more than street, street names that are changed and highways that are renamed for you because those highways are still got potholes. People that are on Biden Street are still struggling with their businesses. Interviews with Scranton voters show many have deep concerns about Biden running again. 80-year-old Biden is already the oldest sitting U.S. president and would be 86 at the end of a second term if he becomes president again. I think that some of our politicians we have right now um, who have been in politics for a long time, maybe they need to pass a mantle on to the next generation of politicians and kind of like take them under their wing and help guide them and teach them to learn so that we can have somebody who progressives are enthusiastic about, who young people are enthusiastic about. But local politicians express support for Biden as a hometown hero. I'm a huge champion for the president and the legislation that he has been able to get through Congress in these last two years. As a mayor of a city going through COVID, as a mayor through a city with a city advocating for recovery funds throughout this entire time, we are in Scranton champions of the American Rescue Plan, the bipartisan infrastructure law. Former Mayor Jim Connors says the president embodies the underdog mentality embraced by working-class cities like Scranton, and he's confident in Biden's re-election potential when asked if he should run again. Let somebody step up and beat him. Biden aides say they welcome a possible rematch against Donald Trump, arguing it will help energize their base. But polls show the American public doesn't feel the same way. The lack of enthusiasm in Scranton could be an early warning sign for the Democratic Party, and Biden's approval rating still remains quite low. President Joe Biden is expected to announce a re-election bid this week. Officials have been making final cuts to an official video that could be released Tuesday, which would be four years to the day when Biden announced his 2020 run for the White House. And it may be an uphill battle, according to an NBC News poll which came out Sunday. 70% say they don't think Biden should seek a second term, 
Among Democrats, 51% also feel that way. Those percentages are similar to other polls, including a CNN poll from earlier this month. According to the NBC poll, close to half of those questioned say Biden's age is a major concern and why they don't think the 80-year-old should run again. Former President Donald Trump declares his innocence and called his indictment a witch hunt. The former president spoke during a rally in Fort Myers, Florida. Do you think they'd be coming after me over no charge? Did you see what it's been said? There's no crime. I got indicted for no crime. They're all saying, even the Democrats, well, we don't see this as a crime if there is no crime. A Manhattan grand jury voted to indict Trump on charges related to hush money payments made on his behalf during his 2016 presidential campaign. Trump pleaded not guilty to the 34 felony charges. During the speech on Friday, he also reiterated if he were to win the 2024 election, he would end the war in Ukraine before arriving in the Oval Office. Before I even arrive at the Oval Office, shortly after we win the presidency, I will have the horrible war between Russia and Ukraine settled. I'll get it settled very quickly. While the Republican Party's nomination race is still in its early days, the former president could be gaining momentum over his top potential rival, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Recent polling shows Trump with a substantial lead over DeSantis among Republican and independent voters nationally. A top NBC executive has been ousted over an inappropriate relationship with a female coworker. NBC Universal CEO Jeff Shell's departure is effective immediately. Shell acknowledged the relationship and expressed regret in a statement. He says his last day as CEO was April 23rd. Shell joined Comcast in 2004 and was appointed to the top job at NBC Universal in 2019. A number of senior executives in the media industry have been ousted recently amid allegations of office misconduct or inappropriate workplace relationships. CNN chief Jeff Zucker resigned last year over his failure to disclose a relationship with a work colleague, while CBS chief Les Moonves left the company in 2018 after over a dozen women accused him of sexual misconduct. The former Minnesota police officer who killed Dante Wright was released from prison today. Kimberly Potter served 16 months of her two-year sentence for fatally shooting the unarmed 20-year-old during a 2021 traffic stop. She said she mistook her gun for a taser. During her trial, Potter apologized, saying she never meant to hurt anyone. Potter is now on supervised release until December when her sentence expires. Her attorney says she is planning to live in Wisconsin and not return to Minnesota. Putting the good back in social media. Studies show tech platforms can have negative effects on consumers. A new company now wants to bring change. Data shows about half of America's 8th and 10th graders spend five hours or more on weekend days watching videos on an electronic device. To keep the viewer's attention, social media algorithms keep feeding related content that could form addiction loops. The viewers would keep responding by generating dopamine, something that gives people jolts of joy. You think five minutes have passed, you look up, it's been, you know, an hour. Nick Janicki is a tech entrepreneur and director of media relations of Ganjing World. 
Ganjing World means clean in Chinese. It's a new tech platform with rules such as no violence, no criminal activity, nothing harmful, and nothing erotic. Other than those, Janaki says Ganjing is open to conversations all over the opinion spectrum and that one of its goals is to put good back into social media. As a humanity, you know, we have to have technology for good, we have to have AI for good. Everything we do has to be for the benefit and the morality of humanity. So that's kind of the starting point of everything uh, as we're building this out, basically. He adds that positive content can have a helpful impact on consumers, as opposed to much the content that we see online today. You can't have technology in a vacuum. Technology has to overlap with education, in my opinion, or let's just call it things that upgrade your human intellect or your human spirit, something that's uplifting, right? So the whole idea is, okay, I'm a consumer of this content, but is it uplifting to me? Janicki also warns of political bias being created by many tech companies. That's because viewers are fed similar content over and over again, which can cause one to become closed-minded. As he puts it, it comes back to the confirmation bias. Once you already have a bias, the algorithms are going to continue to hone in on that bias, so it's not broadening your horizon. According to Janicki, Ganjing World offers a safe place on the internet where you're not going to get taken into a negative addiction wormhole. The U.S. House just passed a bill that would effectively prohibit public institutions from allowing transgender athletes to compete in female school sports. I spoke with Marshy Smith, co-founder of the Independent Council on Women's Sports, to get her take what's called the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act. Marshy Smith, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. So the House just passed a bill banning transgender athletes from participating in women's sports. What's your take on this bill and what it does? So I just want to clarify that it does not actually ban transgender athletes from sports. No transgender athlete is excluded from sport. What it does is clarify the eligibility categories for women's sports as um, female athletes from birth. Understood. Thank you for clarifying. So do you think this bill goes far enough to protect safety and fairness in women's sports and why? So I wish that it wasn't necessary. We've had Title IX in place since 1972, so over 50 years. And this should have been covered under that law, the longstanding law. But however, uh, President Biden and the administration has uh, really forged a formal assault on Title IX now, redefining the word sex in the law to mean gender identity. And so now we need this bill in order to clarify that women's sports are for female athletes and uh, preserving equal opportunities for women and girls across the country. So in response to the bill, um, House Representative Greg Landsman, a Democrat, says, this bill is about bullying children. What's your response to that? I would say, you know, what about the girls? Uh, we saw last year in the Ivy League that women women were bullied in collegiate swimming. I was an NCAA swim champion uh, back in um, the early 2000s. And these girls were emotionally blackmailed and silenced. They were bullied themselves into accepting um, 
you know, lesser treatment from their universities and asked to surrender their own awards and records. So I would just ask this Democrat to consider the women that are going to be affected and discriminated against with the policies that the Biden administration and Democrats are pushing forward. It looks like the bill will be struck down in the Senate. What brings you hope to continue fighting for uh, to protect women's sports? We have a lot of a lot of hope, you know, regardless of what happens in the Senate, women's sex-based rights are not vanishing in 2023 suddenly. We are fighting this across the country in the courts um, and hope that the Supreme Court will rule on this um, in the near future. And we need more athletes coming forward in the media to speak about their stories and to tell their personal experiences and the emotional ramifications from being discriminated against um, with people in power and leadership. Marshy Smith, co-founder of the Independent Council on Women's Sports, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Welcome back. In Germany, grounded flights at two major airports today as security workers and ground services held a one-day strike over pay. It was a tough day for passengers at two of Germany's major airports on Monday. Security workers and ground services held a one-day strike over pay at Berlin and Hamburg airports. Berlin-Brandenburg said all departures were cancelled. It further said some landings would be affected after a major union called for security workers to strike until midnight. A spokesperson for the airport said around 240 flights had been due to take off on Monday. Passengers at Hamburg Airport saw similar scenes. Employees who handle check-in and boarding for a number of airlines, including Germany's Lufthansa, called a 24-hour strike at short notice. 31 departures from the airport had already been cancelled by 9am, Europe's biggest economy has recently seen some of its most disruptive strikes in decades. Last week, four major airports were hit by stoppages. Unions have been pushing for higher wages to offset the surging cost of living. Former Russian President Dmitry Medvedev says the Ukraine grain export deal is in peril. Medvedev warned on Sunday that Moscow would terminate the agreement if the G7 moved to ban exports to Russia. NTD's Daniel Monahan brings us more. The group of seven countries are considering a near total ban on exports to Russia. Such exports would automatically be banned unless they are included on a designated list of products allowed to be shipped to the country. Under the current framework, goods are allowed to be sold to Russia unless they are explicitly blacklisted. Moscow has repeatedly rallied against the terms of the Black Sea grain deal, the only significant diplomatic breakthrough of the 14-month conflict in Ukraine. It has said it will walk away from the deal ahead of a May 18th deadline if the West does not lift restrictions on Russian agricultural and fertilizer exports. The G7 called on Sunday for the extension, full implementation and expansion of the deal to export Ukrainian grain through the Black Sea. In related news, Russia's Black Sea fleet reportedly repelled a drone attack on the Crimean port of Sevastopol early on Monday. 
Russia said its forces had advanced in Bakhmut, while a top Ukrainian commander said his troops were holding the front line throughout the city. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. And more Ukraine-related news. The Baltic states are strongly condemning China's ambassador to France. That's for suggesting that former Soviet republics aren't sovereign nations. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has the reaction from Europe's foreign ministers. The envoy from the Chinese regime questioned the sovereignty of Ukraine and other former Soviet Union countries in a televised interview on Friday last week. The Chinese ambassador in Paris says ex-USSR countries don't have actual status in international law because there's no international agreement to materialize their sovereign status. Lithuanian Foreign Minister Gabrielis Landsbergis tweeted out his concern on Saturday, citing the comments as an example of why the Baltic states don't trust China to broker peace in Ukraine. Estonian Foreign Minister Margus Sakna called the comments false and a misinterpretation of history. His Latvian counterpart Edgars Rinkovic said the statements were completely unacceptable. European Union Foreign Policy Chief Joseph Borrell shared that view, calling the remarks unacceptable on Sunday. A senior Ukrainian presidential aide called the statements absurd. The foreign ministers are summoning China's ambassadors to explain the envoy's comments. The European Union and NATO members, Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania, regained their independence in 1991 during the fall of the Soviet Union. That was after nearly five decades of Moscow's rule. Russian President Vladimir Putin does not recognize the sovereignty of Ukraine. The Kremlin has made it clear that it perceives the independence of the Baltic states and their active role in NATO and the EU as threats to Russia's security. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. France's foreign ministry responded to the comments yesterday. It stated full solidarity with allied countries that it says acquired independence after decades of oppression. The French ministry asked China to clarify if the ambassador's comments reflect its position. Explorers have located a World War II ship that sunk with over 860 Australian soldiers on board. The ship was transporting Allied prisoners of war. The Montevideo Maru was torpedoed off the Philippines by a U.S. submarine unaware of the POWs on board. The tragedy is considered Australia's worst maritime disaster. More than a thousand men, including POWs and civilians from several countries, are thought to have lost their lives. The ship was not marked as carrying prisoners. On July 1, 1942, an American submarine fired four torpedoes, sinking the vessel in less than 10 minutes. The search for the wreck was led by the Silent World Foundation. It's a nonprofit dedicated to maritime archaeology and history. The organization said there will be no efforts to remove artifacts or human remains out of respect for the families of those who died. An increasing number of South Asians are moving to Australia's capital territory. And they've brought their love for the game of badminton with them. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details. Eight years ago, Daniel Akitasari moved from India to Canberra. An avid badminton player, he immediately tried to find somewhere to play. This sport helped them, helped people from all the backgrounds to actually come together as well and uh, yeah, have that the sense of belonging to the community. He tried to sign his daughter up a year after their arrival in Australia, but that proved impossible because the clubs were full. So I had to wait for like six, six months to like almost one year. Badminton is a popular sport in South Asia. As migrants from that part of the world come to Canberra, badminton clubs are swamped. 
so Akira Sari decided to create his own club. But a year after opening, his club can't accept any new members either. And I started off with just three people at the beginning of last year. And you can see now how many students I've got. I've got like more than uh, 26 kids and there are more enrollments coming in. And I find it very hard to say that I'm sorry we are full. Like many other indoor sports, badminton players share facilities with other athletes. That means tough competition for time slots after school or on the weekend. When they come here with their kids, they say, oh, where can we play? I don't know, they ring me up. Sorry, our clubs are full. No venues, no multi-use sports centres for them for to play privately. They have to join clubs. Clubs are full. For aspiring badminton champions, finding a place to play is the first part of competition. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And we end the show with some breaking news. Fox News confirmed today that it has parted ways with popular primetime host Tucker Carlson but the network didn't give a reason why. A statement from the news channel said that his departure is effective immediately. Carlson's last show was on Friday, April 21st. In the meantime, Fox News said it'll air an interim show until a new host is named. Carlson has not made any reference to his departure on Twitter. Tucker Carlson Tonight had been one of the most popular shows in all of cable television. It often generated more than three million viewers per episode. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Chris Beers, NTD News.